Hello and welcome to Body Beyond the Scales, the podcast that helps you get stronger and more confident in your body through building better habits. If you've got 90 seconds, then take the healthy habits quiz. This will help you improve your habits and find the easiest next steps rather than overhauling your life to start making sustainable change to your health and fitness. The link is in the show notes. Welcome to this week's episode of Body Beyond the Scale. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Chris, who is going to be talking to us all about um, how being a high achiever can affect you in your health and fitness and what to do about that like long term as well. And we're going to be talking about some like practical tips as well and some takeaways. So hopefully this is going to be a super, super useful one for you if you are a, a chronic high achiever who doesn't really know how to uh, get yourself out of some of the, the habits that you might be a little bit stuck in at the moment. Um, yeah, Chris, do you want to give us a quick intro about who, who are you? Yeah, happy to. Um, So I'm Chris Castillo. I'm the founder of Empowered Achievers. And essentially, as Holly said, I am a coach for high achievers. So I've been in business for about seven years now and really primarily focusing on helping high achievers with the immense amount of pressure they feel in their careers, helping them work through this mindset piece, change the way that they approach their career and their life so that they can have a healthier, happier approach. Because unfortunately, this High achievement tends to lead to a lot of nasty things um, and and recurring patterns, we'll say. <laughs> so what do they look like then in practical terms? Like what does it like what do those negative patterns look like in those high achievers? Yeah. So we talk primarily uh, about their careers and the most common ones that I see are uh, the recurring patterns of either the career existential crisis, as I call it, where high achievers do this thing I call professional people pleasing. They make all of their decisions based on what is going to look good to other people and fail to make decisions based on what actually feels good to them. And often it ends up in this situation where they're in something that looks really good, but feels totally wrong. So that's a really common kind of symptom as we see it. Then there is the recurring burnout, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, Then there is this analysis paralysis, often out of fear of making the wrong choice. Sometimes these folks will end up making no choice as a result. And then last but not least, often this like fear of vulnerability, fear of learning, fear of putting yourself in new situations. A lot of these people are used to being the person who does the helping at work and not the person who needs help. And so sometimes they can inadvertently kind of hold themselves back from beneficial growth situations because, oh my gosh, I'm not going to know everything. What's that going to mean? Da, 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 da. Um, all of those things kind of tie to having their identity too heavily wrapped in their career. But yeah, those are the, that's the overview of, of, of the main ones that we see. Yeah. It's really interesting how those four things as well can then go manifest themselves in your health and fitness, because like you said there, like the, like paralysis analysis, like where, oh, I can't start because I won't be perfect with it. So what do I do mm-hmm. there? I feel burnt out. So I can't go do even the basic things because I've got no energy for me. It's yeah. like constantly giving and giving and giving to other people, which means when it comes yeah. to you, you've basically got no energy left to, to yeah. go anywhere. And it, and it really yeah. does like show itself across your whole life. Yeah. Oh yeah. It it makes total sense. And it's, it's funny because I often say, I'm like, you know, we're talking about it in the context of your career, but yeah, if you do a pattern in one place, you'll probably do it in multiple places, right? If you say yes to too many things at work, surprise, surprise, you're also probably the person who commits to five different birthday parties on the same day. You know, it's like, it's all interchangeable. So that makes sense that we you would see that within the fitness, health and fitness context as well. Yeah. 
especially when it comes down to as well like food um, and how that can then show itself like that mm. people pleasing around food and it's like you said then you've got these social occasions that you never wanted to be at and then you feel awkward at these social occasions that you didn't want to go to in the first place so then you eat extra because you you know you're uncomfortable and it's just all these little things that are actually all yeah. connected and all come down to that high achieving like background and these like yeah like four symptoms as you said like it's yeah. those things and they all kind of collect together so yeah, what traits sense. do you see in high achievers that you think mm, you think that's serving you but it's probably not <laughs> I mean uh, all of the, so the the kind of main things I would say here are what's ultimately behind all of those behaviors that I mentioned is pressure right I think this oftentimes I hear from folks you know I don't know who I'd be without this pressure. I don't think I can exist outside of this pressure. And so, yeah, they think it's serving them. That and then their tendency to push through, quote unquote, right? I think that's a very high achiever trait is I can handle anything. I can mind over matter through anything. But often it just leads to them staying in situations that aren't great for them for way too long because they, quote unquote, don't want to give up. But yeah, I would say those are the main things is really this pressure and this ability to push through and this quote unquote, high standard that they have for themselves. I think all of those are kind of things that they think are good, but when you look a little bit deeper are not actually very good. Yeah, for sure. And do you see these like traits showing up more in men or in women or is there like no difference or? So, I mean, it's not necessarily gender specific. That being said, I would say the vast majority of my clients are women. I see it a lot in women. I think there's probably some gendered, like uh, people pleasing, like a, a bit of a of a higher uh, representation in women there. That being said, right, like I think, yeah, there are some lessons that we learn when we're young that probably make it show up more in women. So majority women, but that being said, it's not necessarily gender specific, but yeah. It's probably more just like a high achieving woman is also more likely to be a people pleaser and they're also more likely yeah. to have these traits be told that they're normal because of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, things. it's exactly, it's the yeah. it's the good kid. You always were told, oh, you're so, you're such a good kid. I think a lot of that is just inherently gendered in how kids are raised, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's all the, oh, he has leadership potential. She's bossy. I think that's a very, <laughs> unfortunately, as a, as a, uh, girl who was told I had leadership potential. Um, yeah, it is It is a very gendered thing. Yeah. It's also like quite a heavy burden for a child to bear as well. And that's how we end up with like these burnout overachievers, I think, especially mm -hmm. because of telling a kid that like, you know, you, you're you going to go to great things. Like you've got so much potential. You've got such a bright future ahead of mm -hmm. you. It is really heavy for a child to then yeah. go, oh my God, I've got all this potential. There's all this pressure. What do I do with myself? And exactly. That then shows up in so many different ways. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting. What are those yeah. kind of like typical traits of a, a of a kid or like those typical things that you found like, oh, you were all told this, like, and this has turned you into this type of person? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very much so like, we'll sometimes talk about it as like golden child syndrome yeah. or uh, the gifted kids. I can't tell you how often it is a former gifted kid or kid who always performed really well in school who then grows up and feels this immense amount of pressure. Um, I, I think actually to me, one of the most helpful explanations behind this is, are you familiar with the book Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck? Yes. Oh, it is Carol the growth Dweck. mindset fixed mindset yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I love her. I'm obsessed with her. She is, I, she is my 
like John Lennon. Um, and <laughs> she is wonderful. So in her book, she talks about this idea of, right? Like so much of it comes back to labels. Why do we like a fixed mindset if it's not that good for us? Well, we like to know certainties about ourselves. And so I think a lot about so many of these folks who grow up into high achieving adults often have a relatively fixed mindset when it comes to certain things, because they've always been told you're, they were celebrated for the outcome. You had this good grade. You got the top marks on this. You did so well in X, Y, and Z. And they're not necessarily celebrated for the progress or the, the learning. They're celebrated for the outcome of said learning. And I think that that makes it then, the way I often explain it is it kind of builds this pedestal for them that they are terrified to fall from. And so they have to, you know, paddle, paddle, paddle to try and stay afloat and maintain that image. And I think that explains a lot of it because, right, it's, that's what they've always heard as a kid is, oh, you're so good at that. And it's, again, celebrating the skill opposed to the effort. Yeah. And I think, like you said, you end up stuck on this pedestal where like, you're like, wait, I can't fall off this. What happens if I do fall off it? And like, mm -hmm. it ends up just in this immense amount of like, pressure and then you're like oh yeah. and you end up with a like almost like a mountain of shoulds like I should do oh, this exactly. I should do that because that's yeah. all you know and that's when we end up seeing like very much this, this very natural like tracks like particularly in like the US and the UK of uh, you go to school you get good grades you then go to university uh -huh. you go to college like you do you do these things you then go get your proper job and then, <laughs> then you go and you do that cycle and then you end up in this place where you're like oh well what's my option now it's climb the corporate ladder and you just keep on getting like basically put onto this hamster wheel and just cycling exactly round and round and round yeah exactly that and that's often how I explain it is it's the you know you've always had a quote-unquote obvious next step right you always knew your next should so maybe exactly that it's you know I go to high school and then I'm going to go to college after college maybe everyone has it kind of like mentally defined. So maybe for one person, it's, I'm going to go get my master's. Maybe for the next person, it's, I'm going to go, you know, search my major in LinkedIn and find a job. Either way, right, there's always been an obvious next step. And then you get into the real world and there is no obvious next step. And people look to you and say, okay, what do you want to do? And that's when, you know, we see people look around and like start to sweat and go, Ooh. um, was I supposed to know that? Oh, no. Like, do I get an opinion on this? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they don't know. They don't know how to make decisions that are truly for them because they have never once done that before. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no wonder this isn't going to go super well. Yeah. So let's take that actually there and ask. In that point where someone's always had this like career of should, basically a lifetime of shoulds, and then they've, got, they've hit this realization and they're a bit like, ah, wait, I have had made very few decisions <laughs> over until this point. Now I need mm -hmm. to decide like, say what I want to do in my career, but have that like choice about my life. What's mm -hmm. the kind of like the first steps to figuring that out when you've got absolutely no bloody clue where to go? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, So when it comes to shoulds in your career, I kind of like to think about it in a couple of steps. So the first phase is all about alleviating the shoulds. So working through those pressures in your career, this is something it's the way I do it with clients is like, we have an entire course about this. It's called Mastering Mindset. And it actually goes into how to alleviate the beliefs beneath the bad behaviors. And so first step is to work through those shoulds. So it's understanding what are the pressures that are driving me to these bad behaviors? Why am I doing, why do I believe these things? Why do I believe, I call it head trash, but essentially it's like those limiting beliefs in the back of our head, right? How do I change my mindset? How do I stop feeling those shoulds? And so that's what we cover within Mastering Mindset. And you look at Where's, what is the pressure? Where did it come from? Why have I kept it around so long? What are healthier reframes? That's the like first 
phase. And that's the phase where we, again, work through all of the pressures so that you can not feel those shoulds. And then once you've alleviated some of those, then you can go into building out your purpose statement and say, hey, who am I? What do I want and need absent of those shoulds? And so the way we typically do it is we look at your needs in your career, both in terms of how you work best and what type of work is engaging to you. And the what needs, as I call it, this is what we build our purpose statement out of. It's where we look at what type of things have I liked? What have I not liked? What can those tell me about me and what my needs are? And use those to build a purpose statement of who you are at your best, which can then be your North Star for all of your career decisions. So essentially, instead of having, you know, the the alternative approach that we talked about before, I kind of call it the dream jobs approach where we say, okay, I'm going to set this goal and I'm going to work towards this because that's all you, that's the only way you've ever learned how to do things. Instead, this makes your goal a North Star of saying, here's who I'm at my best. Here's what types of things I'm doing when I'm most engaged. How do I do as much of that as possible? And it, I like this approach because it kind of gives you a direction to move in without having it feel so prescriptive that if God forbid something happens or you change your mind or something comes up, you, you completely lose your sense of self and have a freak out. Yeah. It gives you shades of gray rather than it being black and white. And I think that's such a nice thing to like, and it's such a reassuring thing to hear, but something that you've definitely not heard as a high achiever that like, Oh wait, no, there's more than one option. Wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, and that's a, exactly that's a that. really nice path to have. I think the, yeah. the other thing on that as well is that when you are in these like kind of like set directions, having a like you've only ever gone down one path, like having a North Star is so useful because it's a guiding light then. It just sends exactly. you in the right direction, but it's not a, you have to do this or you have exactly. to do it. And that's so nice. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I always think it gives you kind of like the best combination of structure yet flexibility, right? So the analogy I use is, was, Nap, uh, was MapQuest ever a thing in the UK? Give me a clue what it was because I've not heard of it. So it was like a website where you could go and put in, you know, I want to get from this location to this location. And it was before we had smartphones and it would essentially print out a list of like, turn right on this road, then turn left on this road. And it would give you all the steps. We we had something very similar. It was like AA okay. maps. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay. So then at least the analogy will still make sense. So I always think about prescriptive career paths like this. You don't, you know, you we don't bring the entire map with us, but we have this set out list of steps. But what happens if one of the roads is closed? Then what do you do? If you have no idea where you are, you're in a city you're totally unfamiliar with, you have no compass, you just have these steps. Well, then what do we do if one of the roads is closed? Right. And so that's often what happens. I think when people get too prescriptive, then it feels like everything is falling down around me. What, what on earth do I do from here? Opposed to if we say, this is the direction we're going, but if we reroute, we can adjust. It's not the end of the world. I think that's such a healthier approach, but so often to your point, yeah, high achievers struggle with that because they love black and white thinking. They love certainty. You know, I often call it like the false sense of control because it feels like control. It's not really real control, as much as we all hate to admit it, you can't actually control the world around you. Uh, you can think you can. You can give yourself the illusion of it, but it's kind of made up Yeah, that's <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, we all want to hold on as tightly as we can because when things are in your control, it feels nice and it feels safe. But actually exactly. knowing that there's that flexibility and knowing that like actually you're not going to have this perfect world around you all the time. And that yeah. like even if, you, if, if the road was closed, you could still get there. That's the goal exactly. that we can still get there. 
um, or get to somewhere where you are happy, you have more energy, you feel like you've got this, yeah, like you've got this clarity and direction without mm-hmm. having the the step-by-step and also the alternatives. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's such an important thing as well is that when you do end up in that place where you have more clarity on what you're doing, you have like a direction to head towards, but not a prescriptive route. And you end up in this place where like you're doing the stuff that gives you energy and like actually that you enjoy doing. That means that you can then show up better for yourself in other areas of your life which again is such a nice thing to be like that's where we then end up with better health because we're not burned out from work we're not feeling like absolute rubbish all the time yeah we're then able to look after ourselves because we're doing stuff that gives us energy in one form so then we've got actual energy for ourselves to to give to others and that's yeah yeah exactly you you can't have your entire life be your career I mean you can but and unfortunately how people do but it doesn't mean it's a good thing yeah and how do we find that balance then between like career, health, life, all the fun stuff in between? Like, <laughs> I think that's a magic yeah. question, but like, how do we find that balance? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it comes back to looking at what are actually priorities to me, because I think so often one of the most influential things for me is that, you know, I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in perceived need versus actual need, right? So often I'll see myself, you know, going into like, well, I have to do this. I have to do this. And so building that, uh, do I actually have to, or do I just feel like I have to, right? So looking at what are the different kind of roles within my life, which of them are important to me? How do I kind of stack rank those? Then there's going to be an a, a needed amount of those things. Cause I think for a lot of people, they'd probably put, you know, be a great employee, maybe lower on that list than being a good partner or parent or whatever. Um, And so kind of look at those, stack those priorities, look at what are the actual needed time that I need to dedicate towards those things. And then once we do that, we can say, okay, but then all this extra time that's not actually necessary, how do I want to kind of split that out? Right. So I think like in a big sense, that's a good exercise to kind of go through for it. But also at the end of the day, I think so much of it is being gracious with yourself, working on being present with that time. One thing that's helped me so much, I have two young kids and working on, you know, I'm not always going to be there to play Legos, but I've, I've really focused on saying, always answering yes and saying like, yes, I have five minutes to do it. So I'll play with you Legos for five minutes and then I got to go back downstairs or whatever, like think, uh, stacking of like, do I have to do this? Where are, can I give some leeway? I think has been really helpful for me personally as a, you know, quote unquote, recovering high achiever as I call myself. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And like, I completely get that. I'm in, I'm in the exact same boat as you. Uh, it was very much my like entire identity that like, oh, I did this and then I do this and then I do this. And then you're like, wait, what? No, <laughs> this is the, uh, the GPS has gone off route. Um, but yeah, it's very much about like that finding that time to not be perfect, but also mm-hmm. to give those things that are important to you. Like I assume it is very important to you that you spend time with your kids. <laughs> so finding those five minutes, like is just something that's such a valuable thing. And actually yeah. to loop back to an earlier point that you said about like, no one like if you were to if you were say to die tomorrow and like what would they put on your gravestone the thing that mm. you wouldn't want on your gravestone is like good employee like that's, mm. that's never the thing that's going to be like important to you at the end of the day so it's mm. about thinking about well where do you want to build these like how do you want to build a life that you actually want for yourself how like if you were to die tomorrow do you want people to describe you like mm-hmm. what, what's important for you like now and what's important for you later as well and like how can you co- like collect those into the present yeah. Yeah. And to your point, right. I think 
it's easy to think in absolutes or these big changes that you have to make. But I think one thing that I've still have to work on to this day is, yep, it doesn't matter if I can't finish this entire project, I can do 20 minutes to get started or similar with fitness, right? I don't have to do this two hour long Pilates class, but I could do, you know, this short thing, but that will still make me feel like I've made an attempt. And I think it's easy to think in those extremes or those absolutes. And I think a lot of it comes back to that black and white thinking. And so working on breaking that down is I think a very important thing for a lot of high achievers. I think it really does come into that perfectionism and that that like all or nothing, like you said, it's the, oh, well, mm-hmm. if I can't perfectly stick to this workout routine, then I shouldn't bother doing anything at all. If uh-huh. I can't perfectly stick to eating clean, then I must never yes. eat. <laughs> I, I must yeah. only eat rubbish. Like it's like, no, 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 this, we don't exist in absolutes here. Like you said, like it's not yeah. these two extremes. There's a load of gray area in between. Exactly. That's personally, I hate New Year's resolutions for that reason. I don't know what, I'm curious what your opinion is on them, but I don't like them for that reason. Cause I think, for me, they just make me feel too, if I if I mess up one day, then just throw the entire thing away. Yeah. I think that's very much what New Year's resolutions do provide is that energy to just be like, basically like, oh, we jump in, like nothing changed between December the 31st and January the 1st, but apparently <laughs> your mindset did. <laughs> yeah. But I think the thing that we can use them for is that our environment is much more prepped especially in the health mm. and fitness space mm-hmm. because people there's less likely to be there's less food availability yeah. everyone else is more motivated so that can yeah. sometimes help so for me new year's resolutions are a little bit like great we'll use that to strike whilst the iron's yeah. hot but now we need to keep going like we yeah. don't just stop and jam <laughs> like, yes i think that's such a good way to put it and it's then about using that okay well let's make these small changes because you're not going to be perfect all the time instead of doing a two-hour workout which you were dedicated to doing on january the first we're going to be doing a 20-minute session that's just going to hit everything and you're just going to feel good for doing it or instead of doing a workout all you're just going to focus on going for a walk and it's about those kind of like that in between space but again like high achievers are these people that think in these perfectionist mindsets and we end up stuck in this like oh we're starting and then we can't be perfect so we stop mm-hmm. and it's just a loop and you just never yeah. get out of it yeah yeah until you take 100%. Steps to recognize it you're like in the actual yeah way. so yeah that's why accountability is helpful too I imagine you see mm-hmm. with your clients is like having someone that you have to report back to and say oh yeah I mean I didn't do this but I also didn't give up or something I, I think yeah. it's probably helpful for people yeah, for sure. And it's having that kind of step to just go, oh, well, actually, I didn't do this. But in, in, in you know, the next best thing that I did was was this, this and this. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Like, we, we did something like that's so yeah. much better than the whole like, just flip flopping between like, I was all in and I was not in at all. And I was all in. <laughs> and which is exactly. exhausting for you, I think is a very fast track to burnout within your health and fitness within your life. And it's these things that we kind of want to avoid. So actually on that topic mm-hmm. of burnout, if you do find that you are in that space, not necessarily like you, but like one finds they are in that space where they are feeling burnt out what are your tips for like getting them yourself like out of it in the most productive but also quickest way possible (laughs) I mean getting out of burnout quick is like the million dollar thing right I think if anyone could say oh you just need to do these five things and then you'll be fixed (laughs) that would be fabulous but I think my stance tends to be I kind of think that's why we're in this situation in the first place right we're always looking to things outside of us or this like do these five steps. You know, I see this a lot with people who are looking to for that quote unquote purpose statement piece. They take quizzes, they read books, they look to things outside of them to tell them what they should do. And I'm like, that's the entire reason you're here, right? So similarly with burnout, I don't think we can solve burnout by 
being more efficient with it. Like I said, I think that's, I think that's the nature of the problem. So I think what you actually have to do is like, yeah, in the short term, we can talk about little solutions, right? Let's talk about seeing what are the things that I can take off my plate and use the Eisenhower method and this, that, and the other. And those are all fine. But I think if we're having a repeated pattern of systemically overextending and then burning out, I think what we actually have to do isn't necessarily a quick fix, but it's the right fix, which is we need to look at why. What are the, the way I explain it is all behaviors are built on beliefs. So we have the symptom we see, let's say the burnout. We have the behaviors beneath that are making that symptom happen. So perhaps it's, I'm constantly saying yes to things when I want to say no. That's a behavior that's leading to the burnout. But what are the beliefs beneath that behavior upholding them? So maybe it's, I think in order to be a good team player, I have to say yes to everything or saying no makes me difficult or whatever. All of those beliefs are what we actually need to deal with. In my experience, people try and just change the behavior. And I'm like, that'll work for a very short amount of time. And then we're going to come back to the same place. And oh my gosh, amazing. It's going to be the exact same situation. And so instead saying, you know, what are the beliefs beneath my behaviors? Let me go through. That's the process that I said is like what we do within the mindset piece. Go through, take a full inventory of what all those beliefs are, the head trash. Go through unpacking them and then go through reframing them. That's like the real process you want to do if systemically you are having this recurring pattern of overextending and burning out. Short term, I know that's a that might feel daunting as an answer. Short term, there are little things you can do, right, to try and scale back. But I think if we're seeing the pattern, we've kind of got to deal with the pattern. And it doesn't mean it has to take forever, but you just kind of got to do, often you have to do the work that like, it's not even super long. It's just kind of uncomfy. And a lot of times people want to bypass that. Understandably, it's the cleaning out of the metaphorical cut, which you know you have to do, but you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same in your health. Like it's, it's exactly the same thing because a lot of the time we try to solve things with these surface level solutions. But like you said there, it's about getting into that root cause and going, why are we doing this behavior? Like what is ultimately like, what's the behavior? And if you want to change the behavior, you want to change the outcome. You don't want to feel burnt out anymore. Say for example, exactly. got to get into that route because otherwise it's not going to help with much of it. Exactly you just end up that. stuck in that, but you end up back in this route because you've not changed the behavior, the, the main function of it. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, I imagine that's a case with like crash dieting and stuff like that. You're like, wait, it is a way to do it. I just don't particularly think it's a good way to do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we very much like promote that sustainable change. And that really to me is getting into the root of most things. So like it might be like, um, say for example, like I had a client the other day and we were talking about um, emotionally in, but around Christmas time. And we were saying like, the key thing that she really enjoys is spending time with her family. And it just so mm. happens that food has been the facilitator of that. Yeah. Like, food's not the solution. Food is just the facilitator of it. So if we now know it's the facilitator, that means that we don't have to eat everything but the kitchen sink there. <laughs> and it's about actually getting into that root cause and going out. Well, actually, the, the root there is that you want to feel comfort. You want to feel joy. You want to feel that connection around Christmas, mm. which everybody does. But like, it's just how are we facilitating that? And then without that conversation, without us trying to get to the root of it, It'd have just been like, oh, well, don't eat, don't eat the cheese. Don't eat the chocolate. Yeah. Like, but that was going to happen. So. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's why, exactly. that's why we solve root, the root of a problem rather than just going on this like surface level stuff. And like I said, it's exactly the same with burnout. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> that. That's, that's always the interesting part to me is it's, yeah, to your point, it's all these parallels in these other areas. So no wonder. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so we've got kind of like covered like quite a nice basis there of like, um, yeah. well, I mean, we've covered burnout, we've covered like high achieving. How did you get into this? So tell me a little bit about more about your journey as a high achiever. Yeah, of course. Um, as with most coaches, I, I help who I once was. So originally I come from the world of corporate advertising. I worked, you know, at my quote unquote peak in that world at an ad agency in San Francisco. We were the agency of record for Google. So I got to work on uh, mobile ad campaigns for like YouTube, Chrome, Google Maps. Pretty much if you saw a banner ad on your phone in like 2013 or so, it might've been me. So sorry. Um, <laughs> your fault. It was, it was, yeah, it was really cool. It was, a, you know, we got to do really cool programs, award-winning work. That's like the dream client in the advertising space. And in a lot of ways, I loved what I did. I loved who I worked with. I loved the comp. I loved my agency. I loved my clients. There were really cool pieces of it, but eventually it all kind of, it's hard to pinpoint the exact time because it happened so as a perfect storm. And it was the the thing that I ignored for a long time, but I often explain it as I started to kind of have doubts and they sounded like a little whisper in the back of my head that I just was like, Ooh, that seems scary and inconvenient. Let's ignore that. And as with all things, you know, those doubts grew and grew and grew and grew and grew until I couldn't ignore them anymore. Um, at the same time, I had a mom who was terminally ill. And so I think it kind of put life into perspective and it all came to a head where I decided that I had that same existential crisis. Oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever actually wanted this job. I think I just didn't know what I wanted and this was my major and I kind of fell into it and fell upwards, right? Like I was technically successful, but it just didn't feel quite right. It didn't feel authentic. And so I went through this kind of self-exploratory process. I actually pivoted roles within my ad agency to shift into something that was more aligned. I moved into learning and development, which got me into the people development space. And then at the end of 2016, early 2017, I started Empowered Achievers to help people go through that same process. Because for me, I didn't really have anyone walking me through it. It was a lot of throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks. And so having someone being able to kind of guide people through that has been such a gift because that was really what I needed and teaching people how to work through those shoulds. You know, eventually I realized that this was more than just the existential crisis. It touched all of those other patterns of refusing to ask for help, um, overextending myself, so much pressure to prove, imposter syndrome. All, every single bad behavior I did within my career tied back to this immense amount of pressure that I felt to show other people that I was enough. And I had to do a lot of work unraveling my identity from my career, working through this pressure to prove, working through just pressure in general. And that's ultimately how I moved into this space was, you know, I, I lived it. And now I try and help people through that in a little more uh, straightforward yeah. way. Than <laughs> I went through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm exactly the same. Like I, I got into my job through like losing weight, <laughs> yeah. like and actually learning to like how to do it through building better habits, and that's now yeah. what I teach people how to do. Um, I yeah. have a quick question for you off of something that you said there. Now you said that you had like that little whisper, and that little whisper was in there, and it was that little bit of doubt about is this the right thing. How do you tell the difference between a whisper and imposter syndrome? Because they can turn up as very similar and present themselves in a very similar way. So how do you know the difference? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think. A lot of it comes back to how long does it last, right? My whisper, I tried to ignore it and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I also think it's a question of, is this coming out of 
fear, right? Does this feel like the thing that I want to move towards or am I trying to move away from something? Because I think that can tell you a lot too. If we're, if we're just feeling an imposter syndrome, that's kind of different because you can tell you're like, I want to do this, but I just feel, am I capable this, that, and the other, that's a very kind of like away from fear-based space opposed to self-doubt, this feeling of everything looks exactly right on paper, but there's an X factor that's missing. That's how I often explain the kind of whisper. Yeah, nice. I, I like that kind of differentiation as well, because it's so easy to just get confused in that, that, yeah. oh, there's a lot of noise going on up here, but like, what's yeah. the, what, what's the actual, how do we pull apart what's been said and figure out where it's coming from? Because that, yeah. that's often the answer to a lot of things. It's like, well, is it pulling me towards something or is it moving me away from something? Like that's the, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the distinction mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the best distinction for decisions. Yeah. So what does success look like for you now? Now that you've kind of like gone off that path, you, you're no longer on that corporate track of where you do this and you get a promotion and you do this and then you get a promotion. And how, what yeah. does success look like for you? How do you define it for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes back to having a career that is a piece of my life opposed to my whole life. Having a career that gives me the flexibility to, you know, when our babysitter cancels last minute or school is closed or this, that, and the other, I can adjust as needed. Having the flexibility to go places and be present. Um, a lot of it comes back to flexibility, autonomy, being able to have an impact in people's lives, being able to support people, make others' lives better is really important to me when it comes to what is engaging and fulfilling within my career. Um, those are kind of the main tenets, but having balance, having time, having financial stability to do those things uh, are a lot of the core pieces, but it's more about, like I said, having a career that's a, a an engaging, rewarding piece of my life. I still care about my career immensely. And I think that's the thing people sometimes misunderstand. They think, you know, you, you have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum of like, I'm just not going to care about it. I care. I try. I have always been try too hard. That's my problem. And so we still have those pieces of us, but it's just trying to do it in a healthier way. So it's not my everything and my entire identity anymore. Yeah. I think that's such a nice way of putting it as well. It's like the characteristics that make you, you are still going to be there and that's okay. Like you can still be a hard worker. You can still Mm -hmm. push to be the best version of yourself. You can still push to like always work to a high quality but that doesn't have to mean you're you're compromised in the in the process, and that's really what it's about, isn't it? Like really getting into who like showing up at your best, not your burnout, and that's really what we we want to make sure that exactly we that. Yeah. yeah, that's such a good way. To, excuse me, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I think that's really like where we want to end off because that was such a good point to end on. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you really uh, absolutely smashed that, Chris. Like explaining everything. So thank you so much for your uh, time. If people want to find you, where's the best place that they can find you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you can find me at beempoweredachievers.com. Um, there's tons of stuff there. You could also always email me. My web my email's on the website, so easy to find. Or I'm at Empowered Achievers on all socials. I spend a lot of time on TikTok, so that's probably a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I came across you on your TikTok videos and they are absolutely yeah. incredible. And uh, yeah, I did feel a little bit called out on a few of them. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Chris, you don't get that. I like, I like to strive for that called out in a loving way. Yeah. Kind of like, a, I hate this account. I will immediately follow it, but 
I'm annoyed by you. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that was exactly how I felt. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, so if you've enjoyed this episode, then please go check out Chris on uh, all of her socials or uh, on her website. Um, and if you've got any questions for her, I'm sure she's more than happy for you to drop her a message. Um, thank you very much for listening. And um, if you did enjoy this episode, please give it a five star rating or review because I know you did enjoy it that much. Chris was great chat. So uh, she definitely deserves a five star. <laughs> and have an absolutely fantastic rest of the day.